Welcome to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. Maybe you're listening on the internet, but wherever you're listening from, this is The Breakfast Show with Lawson and... It's Mon! Monica! Yeah, I what, ate what? Lyle. He's dead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. What? I didn't need him. I shot him. Nah, he's fine. He's fine. Lyle's fine. He'll be back later. <laughs> this is a very special occasion. Is well, it? Well, yeah, because you're here. When I was, know. When was the last time you were on radio? Uh, it's been like two and a bit years since I've been in the studio doing a full show. Uh-huh. I did have to call in a couple of times and set yeah. you straight about <laughs> mushrooms. We won't go there today because, you know, um, you have been educated now, so you've come into no, the I, light. I still disagree with you yeah, but it's still been a minute it's been a minute and a while since i've been here that's awesome what do you what would you consider yourself grateful for oh today i'm actually really grateful for my uh what's that how do you say newcastlian people or oh, Novacastrian. Novacastrian. i'm yeah. really grateful for my Novacastrian peeps my friends up here mm-hmm. down here um i've been having a great time catching up with everyone i've Epic. been up in queensland for a, a bit and mm. um yeah it's been really nice being back here for several days but hanging out with my girls, Amanda and Di, and I'll oh, be classic. hanging out with the South Wows and mm. you and some other people. <laughs> Getting around. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> How about yourself? What are you grateful for? I am grateful. Okay, listen, listen up, listen up. I'm so listening. I am grateful that one day, eventually in the future, I'll never have to hear Novak Djokovic's name ever again. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I am we okay, Faith of M, we covered him yesterday, but I am sick to death already. He plays tennis. Like, guys. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that on the radio. <laughs> You're never not going to hear about him. He's a celebrity. He'll be famous forever. Even when he's passed, we'll still be talking about him. Yeah. Like Donald Bradman. Like, he's dead. When we still talk yeah, about him. Yeah, but at least he was cool. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Hey, welcome back to Faith FM. We are continuing on with The Breakfast Show this morning with special guest host, Mon, in the studio, getting it done. And uh, right now it's time for Positively Different News. What's happening? Oh, so actually one of our listeners sent in a story today and I'm going to share it. And it's so sweet. This okay. is so cute. So it's all about, like we said before, it's all about pets and it's particularly oh. dogs. Dogs are the best pets. Don't want to argue with me about that one, thanks. Don't, <laughs> I don't want any cat callers calling me up. <laughs> <laughs> no cat callers, cat calling, please. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is a, this is actually coming from Oz uh, up in I think it's pronounced Yapoon. Yep. Is that Yipoon? how it's pronounced? Yapoon. Where like a, Where is this? It's an area in central Queensland. Okay. It's uh it's actually specifically on Malambin Beach. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Up in um yeah. If you know how to pronounce that, maybe give me a call. I'm sorry if I butchered it. Um, but we have a little six year old uh fella up there, little fella. Um, who is actually battling an illness and needing to go to hospital, right? And this little boy, he's so sweet. Like, he's off to hospital. And you know what he's concerned about the most? Mm. His doggy. He's actually worried that he has anxiety that his dog, Bungie, won't be able to find a stick if he doesn't take him to the beach to help him find <laughs> a stick. Yeah. It's so cute. And uh, and so a family friend, um, Sha Lang, actually found out about this and she said, you know what, I know how to alleviate your stress. And so she goes to Bunnings and buys like wood and nails and a hammer and stuff and some paint and she created a stick library. Now wow. she has seen these before, and I'm sure most of us have seen this before um, on you know on social media, people making little stick libraries. But this is 
one that's now in Oz and it's on the beach and it has a little sign. She's painted it blue and it says Nippoon Dog Library. Take a stick, leave a stick. And uh, apparently it's been very successful. There's lots of sticks. There's a little bit of concern that the dogs will take sticks but not leave sticks. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't quite learned how to leave the stick behind. Okay. Um, but, yeah, but it's so cute and uh, it's been going really well. Everyone's been posting pictures on social media of their dog mm. at the mm. Nippoon Dog Library having a stick time. So, yeah, it's super cute. And, uh, and the little boy who's off to hospital, mm. he's so happy. He's so happy, totally. so relieved that his dog um, Bungie is going to have a stick without his help. Wow! So yeah, so cute, so beautiful. People doing um, beautiful things for other people. Man, it seems like the stick economy is booming as well with this <laughs> library. Like they probably have the wealth of Dubai and sticks in there, dude. Like the, I'm not going to lie, the pictures of the sticks at the stick library—they're huge. I'm like, is there <laughs> any sticks for the little dogs? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure all the little dogs have actually come and raided all the sticks. So yeah, mm. but um. Another pet story, Lawson, and this one I think you wanted to weigh in on a bit. This is, uh, I don't know if this is good news or crazy news, but pets in Spain have become legal members of the family. Okay, wait, okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh-huh. So, so if you have a dog, say, right. or a cat, right, um, and then become a legal member of the family, do they so, get onto your documentation? Yeah. And- so they're now officially um, considered sentient beings under the law and will no longer be classified as objects. So they are legitimate members of a family. And, okay. uh, and this means that courts will now be able to consider a pet's welfare when couples break up or divorce, which is actually how it happened because they had such a, a high number of people going to court, broken up, you know, partners going to court and asking the courts to help out decide what's going to happen with the dog because mm. they're just fighting over it. And, uh, and so oftentimes it's like, Okay, one month with mum and then one month with dad. Oh my god. Yeah, word. and so and so because of that they were like, right, we're just gonna make them like make it legal. So now they're considered you know, legal responsibilities to do with your animals. So yeah. Legal changes regarding people's relationships with animals. And this is from Spain's left wing coalition government. Okay. And they actually yep. plan to further legislate to strengthen animal rights, including bans on wild animals and circuses, which I think is great, mm. and halting the sale of pets and shops, which I think is um not really going to help that much, to mm. be honest. Spain is a really interesting country. I've uh, lived there in same. Spain. Yeah. I, Did we? I, how I, about I, that? I, I lived there for two years. Oh, I lived there for less than one. I can't remember how long. Yeah, but it's it's super... In terms of, like, the political climate there, you've got very heavy and strong opinions on both sides. Yeah. Like, in Australia, it's quite central. And even, mm-hmm. in, like, people talk about politics in the US, but it is, like, it's a lot more moderate than... You go to Spain and you've got, like, the right wing who wants to completely secede from the EU and, like, yeah. be their own, like, republic and, like, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And then you've got the left wing, which are very, very progressive. Um, and it's, yeah, coming from that space of now animals are sentient well, beings. This who- is, the crazy thing is, like, <clears throat> Excuse me. The law doesn't include animals from livestock, industrial, or recreational farms. They're not considered okay. companion pets. To me, I'm like, well, where do we draw the line between oh. what animals are considered sentient beings and part of your family and what ones aren't? Because, quite frankly, like pigs are smarter than dogs. And if you had a pig from Piglet and raised it are as they? your own, yeah, they are. They're super intelligent. Um, you know, your, your pig would be a pet. And so who's to say the pig can't be a pet just because we eat them? So at some point it's like, if we consider one animal, why can't we consider all animals? And if we consider all animals, you know, wouldn't it be illegal to eat them? 
And so I don't know. I don't know where this is going to go. Like, what is Spain going to do when that progresses? So this is Spain's problem. If you've spent any time in Spain, you know this truth: the only food they eat is animals. It's unbelievable. It is like it, like, like you the, go book, to... the butcher market of the supermarket is like the, the butcher. Sorry, the butcher section of the supermarket is like the largest section of the supermarket. Hundred percent huge. They, unlike a lot of other countries in Europe and Asia and whatnot, they don't have like a they don't seem to have a carbohydrate base like mm. in their foods, whether it's rice or pasta Pasta, or whatever it may be, they just eat the animal and then they might throw in some bread, you know, just just, just for fun. It's so true. It is crazy, like, the amount of meat they eat. So I think that this is the, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, COP26 has just taken place and we've kind of covered that a little bit, particularly some of the shifts that's happening in the UK and how the government is urging people to be vegetarian Mm. and so they can stop producing so, you know, uh, so many, like, factory farm animals and all of the labour and the effect that that has on the environment. Um, but Spain, so they've taken this step for domestic yeah. animals to make them... If they keep taking steps, like what's going to happen, like vegetarianism is going to be the only way to live and like eating meat is going to be illegal and the whole country is going to end up going vegan, which I think will be great which for is, their health. Which is awesome, but yeah. I just seriously can't <laughs> see it. Like People have to make their cultural. decision themselves. They can't be forced. I mean, their, their health system would just be alleviated from so much disease, but 100%. it's difficult to force people to make that decision against their will. Oh, this is mm. this is interesting, man. It's going down in Spain, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Look, it's going to be a place to keep an eye on. De- definitely. Yeah, they've got they've, they've got everything there. They've yeah. got animal rights, lots of COVID. You know, we <laughs> like, the Spanish experience is is crazy. I, right I expect that next we're going to be hearing a lot about um, activists accusing the Spanish government of speciesism. I reckon that's where it's going to head next. Mm. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Well, actually, oh, man, I had something to say about the Pope. I'm actually going to pick this up in the next section okay. because he, he, the Pope has weighed in on this particular... Yes. Uh, well, I, on, on, like, this legislation, but in animals in general Ooh. and the family unit. And so oh. we're, we're going to be... I'm so intrigued. It is very intriguing. <laughs> so, guys, if you have any thoughts, 0491 is the number to call. Give us a call and uh, let us know your thoughts. Animals, uh, you know, being their own sentient beings and part of the family, you can you can decide. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. In the previous segment... We're talking a lot about pets. Yeah, hey, by the way, did you, you had a pet growing up, right? Yeah, I had a dog. Did you treat him as a member of the family? No, I lived outside. Yeah, see, my family was completely different. Like, my, my dog had its own chair at the table, and when we had meals, he would sit on his chair. He didn't get to eat off the table or nothing, but he was very much treated like a human. He was like a human dog. You know how you get those dogs. Okay. They're like they're like an integral part of the family. That is so interesting. I've never looked at a pet that way, to like be If honest. the house was burning down, we would go in and get him. Oh, well, yeah, that's just because it's, it's alive, you know. But, hey, check this out. Now, the Pope has weighed in on this. Go on, Pope. This, the Pope, fet, uh, pets, families. I said fets, pets and families. <laughs> um, and the Pope says, this is, this is the Pope's point of view. Yeah. He's looking at this from the perspective of, like, a couple, right, that have, okay. that have gotten married. And he says, choosing animals instead of babies uh, has been suggested <laughs> by the Pope as selfish. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it, he, was, he was in a conference talking about the demographic winter and, and the way that, you know, the uh, population of the world is, is, is slowing and a lot of yep. populations, particularly in the Western world, are aging. I so much to say. And so, so the Pope Francis said, uh, you know, and he says, you know, uh, 
especially with you know a lot of orphanhood going on and then it's like even if parents have children then Mm. they end up as orphans and there's just a general lack of care for children in general so a lot of people are choosing not to have kids but then if they have kids there are a lot of irresponsible parents and their kids end up as orphans or in bad situations or whatever uh but he is saying like many many this is the This is his quote. And many, many couples do not have children because they do not want to, or they just have one. But they have two dogs and two cats. Yes, dogs and cats take the place of children. It's funny, I understand, but it is the reality. And the denial of fatherhood and motherhood diminishes us. It takes away our humanity. And in this way, civilization becomes aged and without humanity because it loses the richness of fatherhood and motherhood. Oh, Goodness me. <laughs> so My word. I didn't know the Pope would get so fired up. He got so... You know what's so interesting, though? I have... Go, go on. So, uh, the biggest... The, the ultimate thing that I want to, to point here... Uh, okay, so, okay, so there's many things to talk about. Uh, it just sounds like the Pope is going back to the old days. They're like, make lots of babies so our yeah, church can grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Pope mm. is single. <laughs> And all the priests are single. single. (laughs) Um, And this is something we've covered a number of times on Faith FM. You know, where does the celibacy of the clergy come from? It is completely from made-up tradition. It's a horrible, horrible thing. There is no biblical basis to... to be single and not have children. Now, there is some encouragement uh, in that space. I wanted to to talk about this from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, where the Bible talks about, this is Paul talking about himself and him in his missionary work and him making the choice to stay single. And he Mm. says, For I wish that all men were um, even as myself, but each one has his own gift from God, one um, in this manner and one in another manner. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them to remain even as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, um, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So Paul gives a really balanced view on this. He's like, look, yeah. in my particular life, I have been called by God to the gift of singleness mm-hmm. so that I can go and do his work. And we yeah, saw full focus. what was Paul's work, man, to get beaten up and like <laughs> yeah. absolutely destroyed and dominated for the sake of, you know... Um, the gospel, like mm. he didn't have room for a family and kids in his life. Did this make him a not like not noble as a man, you know, because he's not living up to the um, societal expectations of, of fatherhood? Not. And no, yeah. he's doing an amazing work. But then on the other hand, he speaks specifically here about like people who are remarrying. Uh, but then also like we see his counsel that he says like it's good, you know, husbands submit to wives, wives to husbands, like like love each other, have families, like, you know, he makes it, he doesn't mince words as well in saying that, look, we're not at the end of time. We're not in a place where you should stop having children so that like for the sake of God, like we've got a lot of time left. We've got a lot of generations left, have kids, have generations, grow the church, all these different things. Yeah. I'm actually like, cause I myself, I'm getting into middle age and I'm still single and I don't have any kids. Mm. I'm actually getting really sick of hearing this uh, societal expectation that if you don't have kids or if you've married and decided not to have kids that you're selfish, that that's Mm. the drive behind not having kids. Because if you look at it, right, people who marry and don't have kids and people who marry and do have kids, both of them are doing it for the same motivation. They both think it's going to make them happy. They have kids because they want to be happy and they think it's going to make them happy. They don't have kids because they want to be happy and they think it's going to make them happy. The drive is the same. It's They're all motivated by their own happiness. So how can you call one mm. selfish and the other not. Yeah, and it's but it's also motivated by like if we take it into the religious space by calling as well. 
you know, by right. calling, by situation, all these different things. And I just think Pope Francis, like, if we if we can, like, go back to the story about what's happening in Spain and making right. a, a dog or a cat, like, a sentient member of the I think the it's family. dangerous, to be honest. Like, the yeah. first thing that I thought of when I saw this was, like, right, if they're making animals sentient beings, I feel like this is going to be just heading towards, you know, when the Bible says that in the end times everything's going to be, like, Noah's time when, you know... Like, morality is going to yeah. just fall off a cliff. If you can, you know, a sentient being is someone or something I suppose you could marry. Yeah. And then I think this is going to be a segue, a quick sort of shoot down towards bestiality. Yeah, which, which is, is so gross and disgusting. But, yeah. like, the biggest thing um, inhibiting that, and I think the the big argument from – because because I th- people have been making this argument for a while, like saying, mm. like, this the, – the slippery slope, essentially. Mm, like, oh, it yeah. can end up this way. And the argument against the slippery slope is that, anim- like, pets can't consent. Yeah, Like, an right. animal can't consent. Mm-hmm. Consent. But then if we make them sentient, like, you know, when do we make a standard of consent for animals? And and it's like, and it's so disgusting to even think about and to talk about. And it's obviously against God and it's obviously against the Bible. Um, But it's just like, this is potentially a reality that we are seeing in the future. And so in some ways I'm like, you know, what the Pope's saying here is, is, is definitely on a different line from that. He's saying like, it's selfish to have pets instead of children or something, <laughs> which is just so ridiculous. I, you know, in some sense, like I can see where he's coming from, but in another sense, I'm I think that's like, a very Catholic stance. I'm like, Bro, you're single. Like you, and you're not even you're not even approaching <laughs> middle age. You're you're elderly. Like I, I I don't know. But he actually like it was it was under Pope Francis that the Catholic Church like made the dictate that animals will be saved and going to heaven. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. So what do you think about that? So yeah, well, I th- personally I think he, <laughs> I think they've just said a, all a bunch of these things. <laughs> Where they're coming at is that they just want to impress people and oh, like get them on side. Like, so like, you don't think animals are going to heaven? Oh, oh, oh! What's my theological position yeah, on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's tough. Be careful what you say now. Listen, the okay. <laughs> I want to hazard the guess that we have a very mixed audience that's, on this one. <laughs> That's right. Well, the Bible says that there will be animals in heaven. I think the Bible. What but the, will my dog Charlie? That's be right. In that's heaven? where the Bible. Me, that's where the Bible is unclear because it says the resurrection is for the saints, and I don't know. My dog was a saint, all oh, right. Well, Charlie was an angel. Well, I've had dogs that have had to be put down for biting people, so <laughs> not them, obviously. <laughs> but but this is the thing: dogs aren't sentient. Like, how can they make a choice for God? So obviously, it's it's a little bit. It's a little bit here nor there in that sense, but I feel like the, what the Pope is often doing is is um, clout slash attention slash approval chasing, mm-hmm. um, and in this sense, he's well, he's kind of doing it again, but in a in a bit of a roundabout way. I'm sure there are many pro family people who are like yeah. Have babies. <laughs> but then the next minute he'll be like, oh, but it's good for all of us to be single. We'll see. That that will come out next week. I don't know. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Now have our interview of the yes. day. David Haupt on the Ooh. line. David, are you there? I am. Good morning and a happy new year to you all and to our listeners. Yes, happy, happy new, new year. year. You are a regular on our show, coming on every Wednesday, talking about all things mental health. And we are, you know, you are here for the first time in, you know, in the new year. I've been missing you guys. Yes. I've been waiting, but Same. no phone calls. Oh, dude, he's been he's been keen. All right, David Hamp. Today we are going to be talking about um, essentially the way that we think affecting our 
physical and psychological health. Ooh. I know that they, they call this like psychosomatic, right? Oh, is that what it's called? I, I think so. Okay. Is, is that what we're diving well, into? Yes, yes. There's a major deba- debate that has been a major debate for many, many years between neuroscientists. Uh, basically around the issue, is it the mind, what the brain does, or is the brain doing the bidding of the mind? Mm. Which one is influencing which one? And wow. There's huge, huge ramifications, uh, whichever way you choose, because um, it basically has to do with the issue of free choice. Mm. Do we really have free choice? Do we have free will? So the one side, they are arguing that um, the process of thoughts come in actual fact from the brain. In other words, it generates all aspects of your mental experience. Uh, this group of people, a group of scientists are called the materialists. They believe that it is the chemicals and the neurons that creates the mind. Now let's sit with that for a second. If that is true, that means that when we treat, for instance, depression, um, which is a very common uh, mental health uh, uh, issue, Today in our society, it means that there's a lack of chemicals and all that you need to do, all that you need to do is just replace those chemicals and the person will be okay. Mm. And uh, that is very much often how we perceive the treatment of depression. But then on the other hand, if that is true, that, you know, that our mind does the bidding of uh, the brain, then it, what is the implication for, for instance, criminality? Mm. Uh, if I have been pre-programmed through, you know, the uh, the makeup of my brain for that, do I have any choice? And should I then be persecuted if, or prosecuted rather, if uh, I do, you know, criminal acts and behaviors? What about anxiety? What about fear? What about suicidality? What are the implications for the current world in which we live? Do do I have really got any choices? Uh, also, on the other side is the, the group that feels that uh, God actually created us as thinking beings. In other words, He made us as beings to make a choice to love, a mm. choice to 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 do certain things, and. Um, that scientists, this group of scientists actually proved through the research that when you choose, you actually cause genetical expression to happen in your brain. In other words, the choices that I make keeps on changing the shape of my brain. Wow. Uh, doc, Dr. Eric uh, Kendall, uh, he did some research, he's a Nobel Prize winner, uh, neuropsychiatrist. He says, our thoughts, even our uh, imagination t- can turn certain genes on and certain genes off, mm. changing the structure of the neuron in the brain. Even even what you're imagining, like even like you know when you're fantasizing stuff, like that changes the neuro, neuro was neuroplasticity of your brain. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Wow. Correct. In other in other words, the things that I choose to do, or the, or the thoughts that I have actually creates a new landscape in my brain. And I am constantly in control of, in actual fact, developing my brain into new ways, either positive or negative. 
It's so interesting um, that, sorry to cut you off, it's just so interesting that this conversation is happening within the psychological space because it's also rife within the religious space as well, particularly amongst Christianity, you know, Calvinism versus Arminianism and the whole idea of whether we have free choice or not. And But this is affecting like the, the, the health space, the psychological space and, and how people are trying to understand how the brain works. That is incredible. In, in other words, let's, let's give uh, our listeners the statistics. Statistically, uh, this group of of thought actually proves that between seventy five to ninety eight percent of uh, emotional, psychological, physical health is actually shaped by the way that we think. Okay, so wow. so we're really in this space of like, if we think positively then that will have a positive outcome on our body? An old book called the Bible in Proverbs 23, 7 Mm -hmm. reads in part and says, for as we think in our heart, so is he. Wow. In other words, correlating with uh, the the current research in, in this field. In other words, what God has empowered us to do with our mind is far more powerful and effective than even meditation. Mm. Any threat, any threat, any sickness, or any neurological challenges that we might face. Second mm. um, Timothy one seven says, "For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind." I. Um, I met a young lady a few years ago who actually had a complete half of a brain removed. Mm. Whoa. And after that operation was completed and she healed up, she actually completed a nursing degree. Wow. She's, she's a mother, she's a spouse, and she even volunteers for two large uh, volunteer organizations mm. uh, and and is functioning as a human being. Uh, in other words, she has made a choice that in spite of all the negatives in her life, she's actually going to move forward and, and she's going to master, uh, you know, her brain development and not the other way around. Mm. I, I think this gives some credence then to why counseling is so important, right? Because the whole idea behind counseling and um, cognitive behavioral therapy and all these different things is that if we can change our thoughts and process and develop things, then that can change our health. Now, if we um, take our, you know, the first view, I think you called it the, the, the material view of, of how the, the brain works. Yep. That material, yep. yeah, where it's just like, oh, if we just increase medication to affect this particular chemical or whatever, then that will just have the change that it needs. But it seems as though rather than the counseling, processing and, and talking through problems and getting new perspectives, it seems like the way to go. And especially correct kind of counseling. In other mm. words, a counselor that actually will help you to, to make correct choices in terms of using your brain and uh, not just sit back. You know, we so often want to change the uh, the environment around us. Mm. I, I I want to change COVID. I want COVID to go away. Uh, do I have that ability? Actually, I don't. And I see so many people mentally impacted, mm. emotionally impacted by zooming in on things that is outside of their control. But 
they can have, in actual fact, a huge opportunity to change the way that they think about the things around them and how things are going to impact them. In other words, um, the statistic that I shared just now implies that only 2% to 25% of mental and physical illness come from our environment and our genes. Mm. Only 2 to 25%. That's insane. But the no. but really the reality is is that a lot of it is coming from the way that we think. Exactly, uh, and over 150 years ago, a lady by the name of Ellen White wrote the following in her testimonies to the church, volume two. She she actually then already made these statements. Under the heading, imagination leads to severe forms of disease. She wrote, the mind needs to be controlled for it has a most powerful influence upon the health. Mm. And in uh, volume three, she writes under the topic, people dying who might get well. She says, thousands are sick and dying around us who might get well and live if they would, but their imagination holds them. Mm. Yeah, wow. So in that so, case, oh, yeah, go for it. Sorry. No, 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 you, you asked your question. Oh, I was just going to ask, like, so in that case, like, what is the steps that we can take to better our thinking? Like, because there are so many people struggling and, and probably listening to the show today with, you know, maybe chronic illness, maybe all, all, all kinds of different ailments. How is it that we can just change our thinking and then our health will get better? We actually can, and highly resilient people, one of the characteristics of highly resilient people is that they actually choose where they place their focus. Mm. So I can choose to place my focus on all the negative circumstances that I'm in. And by the way, um, Dr. Herbert Benson of the president of Harvard Medical School their, their Mind Body Institute writes the following. He says, negative thinking leads to stress, which affects our body's natural healing capacity. So what would in actual fact, uh, uh, sorry, I, I want to bump in too much. The Institute of Heart uh, Mass Study actually says that we change the shape of your DNA, shorten it by thinking negative thoughts. Mm. And, and in so doing, shut down certain expressions of our DNA. But what is phenomenal is to to look at the impact of stress. They have done uh, research and people that actually think positive, people that chooses to look for the positive and look at how they can bless other people, have they've done a study on HIV positive patients and they found that those that were positive thinkers had a 300,000 times more resistance to the disease than those without positive feelings. 300,000, oh my goodness. Exactly. Yeah. And that is research that uh, that greatly had had come out with. 300,000 times greater resistance. So even if I am caught up in a major disease by changing the way that I think I can in fact change the future of my life. Wow. Wow. That's really mind blowing. That's like saying the cure is in our hands. Well, in our exactly. <laughs> so 
cardiovascular uh, patient and cancer patient, only 5% of those uh, can attribute their disease to hereditary factors. Only 5%. And, And all lies in actual fact, a choice of where we're going to place our focus. I'm really quite astounded. This is heavy. Yeah. This is, <laughs> this is like kind of mind-blowing. <laughs> it kind of adds new meaning to what we try and do on this show because, you know, we, we talk about, you know, good news and it's an uplifting show and just to think mm. that, you know, the health benefits of that is just really quite – it's heartening, isn't it? Mm. Definitely. And I want to challenge, challenge our listeners for uh, their New Year's resolution to actually uh, write down, search for three positive things in their life each day write a short paragraph each day in a journal things that are grateful for things that are positive in their life uh, and and therefore do it as a ritual every day mm. I've actually the, the fact that the the um the keeping a gratitude journal and something I found out was actually even more helpful was having a gratitude accountability partner so, partner so someone you text your gratitude to and then they share that yours theirs with yours and a kind of um enhances and, and increases just the joy that you – because you get to share it with someone and they get to share theirs with yours and it just sort of amplifies it. So, yeah. Exactly. I definitely recommend yeah. doing a gratitude journal through accountability and sharing it with someone. That That's a great talk, yeah. Awesome stuff. Well, guys, we're going to bring it uh, to the end of the interview. David, thank you so much for coming on and, and communicating to us about this incredibly – fascinating research that's come out um thanks for being a part of the faith fm family join our community on facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM